What's up, guys? Max here, back with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show, and I just got to give you a heads up right off the bat. I am working with a completely new desk setup right now. I had to change everything over the weekend in a good way, and uh, and I'm just going to go maybe a little slower than I normally do, so I make sure that everything's working. I'm using a whole new computer, um, everything, so I'm just trying to rework things over here, so just so you know, if anything weird happens, uh, that's the reason. What's up in the chat, everybody? Hiram, Corporal, John, Andrew, everybody else who hasn't checked in yet, everybody on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, wherever you're listening to. Thank you for being here. If you're out on the podcast, I really appreciate you. You podcast listening folks always have great feedback and those numbers keep going up as well as if you found me on TikTok and now you're over here with me today. I appreciate you being here. It's a, an absolute pleasure to have you. Thanks. for Thanks. Really. I mean it. And today is the first day back in a new week. And so, you know, I have a bunch of crazy stories for you. I'm not sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a medium episode. I'm going to call it a medium episode. But uh, there are some serious stuff and there's some fun stuff. You know, we got all the goods and the bads that we normally do have over here on the Scuttlebutt show. We have a great guest tomorrow. Dan Negroni is going to be on. So please don't miss that. It's going to be absolutely epic. He's going to be one of the best guests ever probably. He's got incredible insight into uh, professional workplace things that are happening. So please don't miss that one. It's it's going to be worth it, worth your time and attention for that one. Um, what happened over a weekend? I recently got to connect with an old friend of mine, a really good friend uh, who I saw over the weekend. That's amazing when somebody uh, is able to make it out to Okinawa and I get to hang out with them. It's just really nice to connect with um with people that I haven't seen in a while. As you guys know, I haven't been back to San Diego in a long time. Um, miss that for sure. And uh, I miss all my friends, all my buddies out there around the world. It was really good to connect with uh, one of them. And then um, our, our worlds were kind of rocked by the news of a suicide um, in the in the uh, some of the communities that I, I am lucky enough to circulate in, I guess. Um, someone that I knew and I just got to thinking about that, and uh, I just hope everyone out there is doing okay. Whatever your, um, if you're going through some hard times, please reach out and talk to people. I hear a lot of people saying now, you know, I wish that we could have done more. I wish that we had spoken. We just talked. What happened? Um, it's it's a real tragedy. It really is, and uh, and it makes me wonder what you know. I just this is the stuff that I sit and think about when I hear about something like that is someone a vet, like a veteran who works so hard to get to where they got to, um, made incredible sacrifices throughout their lives, um, put themselves, laid it all out there, put themselves on the line and achieved what they believe to be their dreams. And somehow at the end of all that, they're left in a state that would lead them to take their own life. And how does that happen? You know, is it, you know, that you had imagined the world maybe is one way and you find out that it's different? Is it that you have to live with some things that you've done over the course of that journey that just don't, um, that just don't sit right with you and are tough to reconcile? I don't know. I'm not going to try to speculate or say what I think that it is, but I know that when I had a, uh, a buddy of mine, um, Adam, Foxworth, uh, Foxworth on the show from Good Times Barbershop. He was a hospital corpsman, served with Marines downrange. Uh, so he saw, you know, combat over there and he was describing 
coming back to the United States and, you know, reintegrating into the world, you know, being around civilians. And uh, he described it as sometimes, you know, people don't get it. And he wants to just grab them and shake them and be like, get it. Just get it. I need you to understand. And that they don't. And then, you know, eventually he realized that, you know, the only people who ever will understand are not therapists. They're not civilians. They're not your family. They're only the people that you were there with. And you got to we got to do a good job of taking care of our our buddies and our battle buddies and whatever your you know whatever you call it your shipmates your wingman whatever it is your uh, fellow guardian you've got to take care of your buddies and so you know maybe today is that buddy check day maybe there's somebody you've been looking to shoot a text to or something like that maybe do that and just uh, say hey how's it going man it's, it's been a minute since we talked and uh just want to see how you're doing uh, how are things you know give me a call i guess i'll just leave it at that I don't really know. I'm not a professional with these things. I'm just trying to figure it out myself. Uh, it's very confusing and it's very sad um, that that's the part that I sh- that I find to be the saddest. What I was saying about um, people who who make these incredible sacrifices, go through things that you could never imagine to get somewhere. And then when you finally get there, that place leaves you so unfulfilled, so let down, so struggling with what happened there that it could take you down that dark path. And that's tough. That's really tough. All right. I'm going to leave that at that and get into today's episode. John in the chat says, I joined TikTok and followed the Scuttlebutt show. Hey, you've done the right thing. You have done the right thing. You've made the right choice. If you don't don't already follow me on TikTok, please go ahead and do that. Andrew says he's back from pre-MOB training, 30 days out from MOB. Still don't know where we're going. Crazy. Corporal, what's up? Says not enough support post-service and VA failure. Yeah, but you know what, though? I I think I'm pretty much at the point, like I was saying, where I just don't think that the VA, they're never going to get it, you know? If they they didn't go through that with you, they're just never going to get it. And we got to stop, you know, looking external, or I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like we got to stop looking externally for people to resolve these problems. We really need to bond together with the people who... Uh, know us best and know what we went through best and try to figure it out and be a good support group to one another. Go back and listen to the episode with the guys from Red Platoon. It's the outpost. It's three parts. Um, We're so lucky to have those guys that I got to know. I feel just lucky that I got to know them and meet them. Um, The movie, The Outpost, you might know that. So three of the actual people from Red Platoon joined me for an episode, I guess like two years ago now, something like that. So please go back and check that out. It's on YouTube and it's on the podcast. That's the, uh, the true, true story of red platoon. Um, go check that out. Cannabis Enchantress BH and the VA is a joke. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of bad stuff. The VA, we talk about it pretty much regularly on this show, as you guys know, and, uh, and I guess I'll use that as a transition to go into our actual stories from today because we have some wild ones. We do have some wild stories today. I want to get into it, and I want to give you guys some entertainment and some education and some awareness of what's going on in this big, crazy world, you guys. So here we go. First story of today is this one. High school students hospitalized, can you believe it, after military ball and overdose is suspected. Remember when it used to spike the punch with like some vodka or something like that or some wine? I guess now they're doing straight meth in school. I don't know. Six Northeast High School students 
in Florida were hospitalized Thursday night because of what could be overdoses at an Air Force JROTC military ball at the Signature Grand in Davie, Florida, according to Broward County Public Schools. No, no good news out of Broward County, usually. Two students still in the hospital. School staff is also at the hospital to assist, according to a statement from the Broward County District. The safety of our students is always our top priority, the statement said. The district and Northeast High School administration are concerned in closely following the Davie police investigation into what caused six students to become ill Thursday night when, while attending the Air Force JROTC military ball at the sing- Signature Grand. So they go to this JROTC ball, this, like, basically ball for people who are all planning on joining the military. And while they're there, somebody puts drugs in the punch. And I don't know if you guys know, the Air Force not really down with the drugs. They're not. So uh, maybe that was a bad choice. It says, I saw everybody crying and grieving, and I think I saw one having a seizure, one of the uh, people there said, named Lorenzo Tofa. The ball included students from the Coral Springs High and Northeast High Schools. Some students speculated the drinking water might have been spiked. The water at one of our tables, it had drugs in them. People started putting drugs in them, Earl Cayo said. (sighs) We don't know exactly who or how many people did it, but for the kids who drank it, they got high and everything. They got high and everything, you guys. That's not good. What do you think about that? Leave me a comment down below. What do you think about this? Somebody spiked the punch and put kids in the hospital at a JROTC ball? Does that make any sense to you? Leave me a comment. Leave it in the comments. That's crazy to me. Crazy to me. Uh, Andrew, speaking of the last topic we were on, says, this is absolutely true. My first appointment was like that. My civilian friends had no idea how to handle me after I got back from Afghanistan. Yeah. Harry Lyme Pie says, Max, that retired corpsman Louis Fonseca is working in that field in the San Diego area. His organization is called No Shame. I'll have to check that out. Hiram says, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, go Carlton. It's really not funny in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Oh, yeah. Are you talking about like an episode where they talked about that? Cannabis says, free drugs are free drugs. Well, you know, I would be pretty pissed if somebody spiked my punch. And I know a lot of uh, females out there particularly uh, frequently worry about getting uh, something in their drinks. Isn't that true? So it is totally a violation of the core values of the military as well as the trust of your classmates and JROTC cadet buddies over there. And uh, and honestly, the person who did that, I hope they get the absolute sh- severest punishment possible. Absolutely severest punishment possible. And uh, when they do find that person out, make sure that they are never allowed to join the military. Although, who knows? Who knows? They probably will be. Full benefits. It just, it's one of those things, you know, you get so frustrated listening to these stories that we cover here and think to yourself, is justice ever served? Is there such a thing as justice being served? Maybe, because this next story right here has a little dose of that. Guard soldier who stole $200,000 caught after filing a pay inquiry. Fed say. So basically, he was siphoning off money to the tune of $200,000. And then when he missed a payment of about 80 bucks, he said, no, 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 I'll be I'll be collecting that $80. Thank you very much. And got himself caught. According to the article here from Military Times, a member of the Michigan National Guard, anybody out there in the Michigan Guard, made his first appearance in federal court late last month after authorities say he quietly collected his full pay and allowances for more than two years after resigning from full-time guard status and reverting to part-time service. Come on, that's how how dumb. Staff Sergeant Clayton Mitsui Jr. 
remains a member of the Michigan Guard while he awaits trial for theft of public funds, confirmed state spokesman Penny Carroll. A federal public defender representing a soldier declined comment when reached by the Army Times. So here's what happened. The alleged theft was discovered when Mitsui submitted a pay inquiry about a missing part-time drill paycheck, according to publicly available court records. So you know you're messing with your pay, and you miss a small a small payment, and you're going to start an inquiry into yourself, genius? The $205,000 that he took went towards child support bills and credit card debt, according to an arrest warrant. So, you know, child support bills, okay, but credit card debt, mm, I don't know. The NCO resigned from the Hawaii National Guard's Active Guard Reserve Program in June 2017, the warrant said. But even after Mitsui became a weekend warrior, do you guys like the term weekend warrior out there? He continued to receive his previous active duty pay and allowances on top of his monthly drill pay. The CID agent attributed the error to Mitsui failing to complete administrative requirements when leaving the AGR program and the Hawaii Guard failing to tell the Defense Finance and Accounting Service to stop his pay. That's DFAS, by the way. Mitsui then moved to Michigan and transferred into the National Guard in February 2019. Four months later in June, the NCO reported that he hadn't been receiving his monthly drill paycheck since transferring. What do they say in Jackass? If you're going to be dumb, then you got to be tough. Coordination with the Michigan Army National Guard revealed that Mitsui was not receiving drill pay because he was receiving active duty pay and entitlements. Michigan officials quickly realized that Mitsui was receiving active duty pay and submitted paperwork to DFAS, halting it in November 2019, and then reported the discovery to CID. Kajer, the uh, CID agent over here, uh, or, or DFAS agent, Kajer interviewed Mitsui over the phone in April 2020, and the NCO allegedly admitted to taking the money and spending it. And then this quote to top it all off. He says, Mitsui says, I knew I was doing something wrong, he told the investigator, adding that he'd hidden the fact that he received active duty pay from superiors. I got caught when I came to Michigan. If I could turn back time and change it, I would. Isn't that what everyone says after they get caught? A federal judge ordered Mitsui released from custody pending trial on an unsecured $10,000 bond. According to federal law, the theft of public funds in excess of $1,000 is punishable by up to 10 years in federal prison if convicted. Offenders often have to repay the funds they stole. So we'll see. We will see. His next court appearance is April 19th, which is Tuesday. And maybe we'll have some updated information there. But what do you guys think about that? This person was just cruising for a bruising when they reported themselves basically because they got too greedy. Do you think it's possible this person's guilt was weighing too strongly on his conscience and he maybe wanted to get caught? Or is this just a slip up by somebody who had no regard for the pay system and had no problem siphoning funds from the government? You tell me in the comments down below. But I don't know what I think. I guess um, it's got to be kind of a combination of the two. The fact that he admitted that he knew he was doing something wrong to the investigator tells me that he had, he had to live with some kind of guilt here because... Otherwise, why would he have uh, why would he have admitted that to the investigator? There ha has to be some sort of relief that he got caught, and you know maybe he decided that he had used the money, given it to his family, took care of them, and the only person that's going to owe anything for it is him, and so he's okay. He can live with that, maybe. I don't know. I'm probably reading too much into it to be totally honest with you, but it is what it is. That's um, that's that's that. I guess. I guess you guys tell me.
Um, Corporal says, Nasty Girls is the proper title, not Weekend Warrior. Nice, nice, nice. Hiram says, was that even done by someone that was a part of that event, Core Values? People who do things like that end up with prison time. It's like they can't trust the people next to them. You're talking about the, uh, the, the ROTC dance? Yeah, that's a great question, Hiram. I wonder that same thing. I wonder the same thing. John says, if that guy was active duty, he would have lost a few pay grades to the UCMJ. Oh, yeah. But now he's going to lose a few years of his life to jail. Shino says, guilt. Interesting. Shino, great to see you. Cannabis says he didn't want to get ripped off with that $80. Yeah, that's right. That is correct. Imagine, I wonder where he'd be today if he just didn't report himself. Do you guys think that if uh, if he just continued to... Um, to siphon that money, he would eventually have gotten caught, but the punishment would have just been worse and worse. With every paycheck he took in, the punishment would have been worse and worse. And what really surprises me is, I don't know how the National Guard does it, but for example, in the mil in the Navy, when I was in the Navy, every time you make rank, you're, you have to go to down to pay, verify that you're getting paid for your updated rank and all that stuff. So I don't know if he was never promoted or how that went on for so long to get 200 grand, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the old joke is like dispersing or pay clerks or, or admin, whatever, PSD, personnel detachment, are, are just lazy. They don't do their jobs. They lose your paperwork. They don't write your awards up, uh, all that stuff. This is like proof of that. This like substantiates that, that somebody should have caught that stuff a long time ago. I'm stunned, totally stunned. Um, but now, moving on, and you guys, uh, you guys know if you're listening to the show, you should know where I stand on, on most issues like this. My criticism of what we're about to talk about has nothing to do with the uh, original topic, but we're going to get into it. I'll explain what I mean here in a second. Air Force offers help to LGBTQ personnel and families hurt by state laws. This is in response to Florida's bill that everyone's been calling the Don't Say Gay Bill. Now the military is stepping in. Is this appropriate or inappropriate? Leave me a comment. So we've got... What this article from Air Force, uh, from Stars and Stripes, but from the Air Force, calls an unusual move. An unusual move. The U.S. Air Force recently informed its service members that it will support their families with medical and legal help if they are affected by dozens of new state laws restricting LGBTQ rights, including relocating families if the need arises. So if you feel like you need to do a sex change on your child and your state doesn't allow it, they will move you due to hardship and exceptional family member policies. What do you think about that? Leave me a comment. It's pretty insane if you ask me, but I'll get into why I think that it's insane here in a minute. The assistance was made widely public in a March 24th news release that initially attracted little attention. It announced a de facto expansion of human rights protections for these families, these military families, as states have moved to ban gender-affirming care for minors, restrict teaching about sexual orientation and gender identity in public schools, and prohibit trans athletes from playing on girls' sports teams. You notice that they never say prohibit trans athletes from playing on boys' sports teams? You notice that? Um, first of all, there should be, just as a fact of the matter, just as a fact of the matter, no person should undergo a medical procedure, especially surgery, unless it's absolutely necessary for life-saving or quality of life-saving needs. And you have to really rule out everything else first. It should be an absolute last resort. You should never go under the knife or medication unless you've exhausted every other option and waited it out as long as possible. 
that's and I'm talking about knee surgery, so shoulder surgery, anything, any surgery. You shouldn't just be cool with any surgery or medication. That should be the last thing that you do. Okay, I'll move on. Various laws and legislation are being proposed and passed in states across America that may affect LGBTQ airmen, guardians, and or their LGBTQ dependents in different ways. The Department of the Air Force has assignment, medical, legal, and other resources available to support airmen, guardians, and their families, the news release said. Those resources include free counsel to families trying to understand new state laws, as well as mental help support available through their military medical facilities. Actually, you know what I wonder? Where do Dodea schools stand in all this? What about Dodea schools? The Exceptional Family Member Program, the EFMP, which normally helps people with like uh, special needs children, like uh, Down syndrome, autism, things like that, uh, physical disabilities, which offers such resources to families with special needs, allows personnel to be reassigned to different states with safer environments for their families. But in the current political climate, a category has been added for families to seek use of the program. This is kind of crazy. Airmen and guardians who wish to address assignment concerns as a result of local laws or legislation should engage their respective chain of command and assignment teams at AFPC. That's the uh, Air Force Personnel Command. The family members receiving gender-affirming treatment or likely to receive such treatment may and should utilize the EFMP to assist with any change of station movements regardless of location. It's funny because... If you're stationed overseas, good luck dealing with like local hospitals for that kind of stuff. They're going to laugh you out of town. The move has been cheered by LGBTQ advocates, Lindsay Church, the executive director and co-founder of the Minority Veterans of America and a non-binary and queer Navy veteran, said concerns about a family member's safety presents a threat to national security. I highly doubt, highly doubt any of these state laws uh, as they're actually written do that, at least from what I've seen. If you actually go look at these things, they're not what they appear to be on the internet. Service members with LGBTQ family members who fear for themselves and the safety of their families carry an undue burden as a result of these hateful policies. We hope that the Air Force providing legal protections to these service members and alternatives to duty stations where service members have the potential to be harmed by these policies. The suggestion that people could be harmed by these policies is the part that's weird to me. Um... Are we not going to talk about how California has a major crime problem and just existing in California puts you and your family at risk of being assaulted, robbed, killed? Can you move out of California if you think that that's likely? Can you move out of California if rent costs are so high that your military family has to live in a bad neighborhood surrounded by criminals? Can you move then when your kids aren't safe? No, but you can move out of Florida or Texas that's a joke. A, somebody here being identified as A, and that's my real beef with this, is why is this the issue that they choose to stand their ground on as far as this goes? But they have no regard for the safety of families living in dangerous neighborhoods, bad climates, uh, people, soldiers up in Alaska who are committing suicide and at a sounding rate because of the conditions up there, soldiers down on the border dealing with that Operation Lone Star mission who are dealing with suicide and mistreatment and poor living conditions. But this is where they're going to say that their child is equal to a family member dealing with a child with Down syndrome or autism or a physical disability. You're leaving so many people behind. So this person identified as A, the 34-year-old wife of a veteran in South Texas and mother of three children, two of whom identify as LGBTQ and including one who is transgender. 
echoed that sentiment. I mean, I, I get it. Like, if you know any family who has kids who are dealing with uh, sexuality issues, then you can see that these issues are real and that they do really affect families and that they should do everything that they can to take care of these kids and the family members. I have no issue with that. No, no, I have no issue with that. But this, this, one, this one issue is the issue that the Air Force decides is going to be the one that they make this exception for and none other. Bullying, cyberbullying, actual violence, gangs, people living in poverty because their, their, their monthly allowances aren't enough to feed them. And this is the issue. So uh, she says she hopes that other branches of the military and veterans are also are provided resources. Her husband was a Marine and her family cannot access the Air Force support. The family depends on military health care, including for her trans child who is being identified by her first initial out of fear of legal retaliation in Texas. The family has been increasingly on edge after a February 22nd directed by Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordering the state's Department of Family and Protective Services to investigate child abuse. Any gender affirming care that families and facilities provide to trans children. I well, I will stick to what I said about you know surgery and medication to kids or anybody who doesn't absolutely need it. I understand the argument about it's for mental health, but it doesn't really it doesn't like make sense to me. I can't get it to jive. On March 11th, a judge in Austin issued a temporary injunction against the order, calling it an unconstitutional overreach and a violation of the democratic process. The injunction blocked investigations and prosecutions of families. But soon after, uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton tweeted that he had filed an appeal claiming the injunction was frozen. By then, at least nine such investigations had been opened. So this is still an, an underway thing. Teachers were terrified about whether they had to report their students. Faith leaders were called on to report families, including military families. So the implications certainly filtered into military health care. I mean, just it's a simple question. Does TRICARE already approve it? Like, does TRICARE already pay for it or not? I'm wondering about that. She added that her family has been able to discuss with our provider what options are still available through military health care, and not all of them are. She declined to comment on whether her child was receiving any gender-affirming health care. So... For it's another example here for Heather Lynn Van Wild, who served in the Air Force from 2000 to 2005, the Air Force publicly declared support would have made a vast difference in her service. She transitioned after her tenure in the military, which was during the Don't Ask, Don't Tell DADT policy during the Clinton administration. At the time, gay, lesbian and bisexual service members were prohibited from disclosing her sexual orientation or speaking about same sex relationships while serving. I don't I don't like Don't Ask, Don't Tell. That always made me uncomfortable. I'm glad that that's not a thing anymore. But now we're just talking about kids. And there's a few more examples of uh, of families here who are going through such issues. And then it says uh, from another person who is um, being quoted here, her, her family has um, kids who are going through these issues. Families need protection. The Department of Defense protects active duty soldiers in other countries. Now you're having to apply that in states in our country. Uh, false. Absolutely false. But whatever. You guys tell me what you think in the comments down below. How does this make you feel? Do you think this is a good idea, a bad idea? Where do you stand on it? I'm curious. I, uh, I think it's a joke. That's my personal stance. I think that the fact that there are so many other issues, people are really unsafe living in San Diego, living in uh, up near Seattle, in um, Virginia or D.C. There's real crime and problems. Uh, and people, nobody cares about that. So blame the parents. Are we talking about military or Florida elementary school? We're talking about probably military kids going to Florida elementary school. I'm really sick of them pushing the alphabet gang BS on everyone. Cannabis says, yeah, 
My wife's EFMP paperwork was held up for five months. It prevented me from reenlisting until it was renewed. By then, it was too late for me. I only had a chance to extend due to RCP, John Franco says. Yeah, too bad you weren't going through one of the uh, issues with that are popular in culture right now. You would have had no problem. Corporal says, I should reenlist, turn trans so my kids can get out of the neighborhood. There you go. All right, that's the message. I couldn't move my kids out of Philly during my 12 years. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly, exactly the problem that I see there. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I've got, if you guys look at the headline of today's show um, about the train, I've got an absolutely bonkers story for you coming up. A really good one. I've got a really good story for you guys coming up. But before we get to that, I have to bring you this somewhat disturbing one. Um, but it's just like, I, I, I bring these stories up because for me, it's like, you guys, be aware of your surroundings. All you active duty folks out there, be aware of your surroundings. How many stories have we had where somebody's working with this person, traveling with this person, living with this person, inviting them into their homes, and then something like this happens? Marine sergeant sentenced to 28 years in prison for molesting a three-year-old child. Let that sink in for a second. Let's talk about this one. A former Camp Pendleton, so out of uh, Southern California, Marine sergeant was sentenced to 28 years in prison for sexually molesting a three-year-old child. This is according to the Marine Corps Times, but it's been republished by the New York Post. Michael Hamby, 31 years old, pled guilty to engaging in the act with the child as another male suspect was also involved. Wait till you hear how they got together. The U.S. Attorney's Office discovered the former Marine Sergeant and his co-defendant, Elijah Alexander Vasquez, exchanged emails with each other about their interest in children in 2016. Phone messages and email exchanges between Hamby and Vasquez persisted, ultimately leading the two to meet up and abuse the three-year-old victim. Child inappropriate content was also found on Hamby and Vasquez's hard drives, and they were looked into. A former Camp Pendleton Marine, Hamby has been stationed at bases in Okinawa and California, and he joined in 2009 at the age of 18. The co-defendant has already received 20 years in prison for the act, and he got 28. Just, um, what do you, I mean, what do you guys think about this, first of all? Let me know. And then please be careful with who you invite into your house. Just remember, we have stories like this all the time. This person, this predator type person could be working in your work center right now. So just please, please, please be thoughtful. Just because somebody's in the military, just because somebody is your battle buddy or whatever, doesn't mean that there's somebody you should bring around your family, okay? I hate to say that, but please be aware. Please be conscious of who, of who you are around. And it's sad that it's taken to uh, the internet sleuths, the YouTubers, the YouTubers who have to go bust these people now because Chris Hansen's not around, as Cannabis says. Chris Hansen's not around, so we wait on YouTubers to bust people in chat rooms and stuff, including we've talked about YouTubers who've busted some you know, airmen and sailors before, too. Ika just renewed his membership, and thank you very much, Ika. It's always great to see you if you're out there listening somewhere. Uh, I don't know if you are, but if you are, then it's just great. There's Ika. There's Ika. Hey, great to see you. It's been quite a long time since we've seen you. It is great to see you. Welcome uh, back. So, um, 
I put uh, Thomas the Train uh, image on the thumbnail of today's episode. And I called it When Trains Attack. When Trains Attack. And that's absolutely what we're about to talk about. Um, trains. Trains. Planes, trains, and automobiles. But today we're talking about trains. This is... How did I miss this? First of all, how did I miss this? But can we just talk about how crazy California is, how crazy people are, and what a weird target as well. Okay, we're going to get into it right now. This is the headline story of today. Engineer who tried to kamikaze a U.S. Navy hospital ship with a train, you heard that correctly, a train, like a locomotive, is headed to prison. Here's what happened. So, um, I don't know how I missed this. I don't know how I missed this. The locomotive engineer who purposefully ran his train off the tracks at full speed in an apparent attempt to sink the U.S. Navy hospital ship USNS Mercy has been sentenced to prison for committing a terrorist attack. Now, let me tell you guys a couple things. First of all, I didn't actually know you could drive a train off the tracks just at will. I had no idea. Um... That is not something that I was aware existed. I don't know if there's a steering wheel inside the train. You guys tell me. According to the U.S. Justice Department, neither the USNS Mercy nor anyone else was harmed in a derailment of the train in 2020. The train tracks ended 250 meters before the ship pier, so Moreno did not even come close to damaging the ship, but he did damage his train and cause a 2,000-gallon diesel oil spill. So that's not good. The incident occurred just days after the ship arrived in Los Angeles under presidential orders to help local hospitals that were overwhelmed by the virus. The ship is one of two U.S. military hospital ships, the Mercy and the Comfort is the other one. And as you guys remember, they were going to New York, they were going to California, they go all around the world to provide medical care, especially in disaster relief type situations. These ships are, are awesome. They, they help save lives. Mercy and Comfort's original role was to treat non-virus patients, but just five days into its mission, it became apparent that to provide the best care, it would need to treat all patients regardless of whether or not they had uh, the Rona. The ships did much to lift the spirits of a confused and frightened nation, but they were not designed to combat infectious disease, so the extent to which they helped uh, was marginal, the article says here, as we look back on it. Hindsight's uh, 2020, I guess. Asked why he tried to sink a hospital ship with his train, engineer Eduardo Moreno told police that he was suspicious about the ship's real purpose. Well, duh. Yeah, that's right. In his original statement to California police, Moreno said, you only get this chance once. The whole world is watching. I had to. People don't know what's going on here. Now they will. So he's, uh, you know... I'm getting strong Mel Gibson vibes, the conspiracy theory. After pleading guilty in December to committing a terrorist attack against a railroad carrier, according to a court statement, Moreno was sentenced to three years in prison and ordered to pay $755,880 in restitution. I guess he choo-choo chose poorly. I don't know. Leave me a comment down below. Leave me a comment down below. I want to hear what you guys think about that. That is crazy. That is downright loco. Locomotive. I'm full of them today. You can't stop me. I'm unstoppable. Like that train. Boom. All right. I'm going to choose to stop now for your guys' uh, to get you guys, you know, on your way today. 
I know it's Sunday night back in the United States. Game hopes. Any possibilities of an earlier stream when you move back to the U.S.? Oh, yes, you messaged me on Instagram. Sorry, I've been hanging out with some friends over the weekend. Uh, that is possible, actually. I don't know why I'm so committed to 1800. Maybe when I get back to the United States, I will change that. I'm not sure. Would you guys prefer a morning show in the U.S.? Like 7 a.m.? 7 to 8 a.m.? I don't know. You guys tell me. Never got close, but he still tried. <laughs> Corporal. That's, uh, hey, got to believe in something, I guess. Um, the Space Force do be wild, and Ica says. Yes, you got to get in that Space Force, Ica. Let's see. I don't play around with trains. Trains win every time. It's called inertia. Yes, there you go. Domestic terrorist train engineer. Yes. Epic statement, Corporal says. Thank you. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I think about that. I mean, I think that it's horrible. Imagine the reason why that's so horrible is just imagine if that person with that same mentality had access to something that could have really hurt that ship. I mean, if you could drive a train into a ship, you would probably sink it. So that would have been catastrophic and would have been a lot of fatalities from a hospital ship, a hospital ship. So that is um, something that, yeah, I definitely discourage you from doing. I condemn that completely and uh, I don't I don't support it. I've got a buddy who's a, a conductor or a, or whatever you call it, engineer, and uh, and I would love to hear his thoughts on it if you're out there listening. So one more story, guys. Today's episode is not going to be an hour long. Today's episode is going to be over in a few minutes. Cannabis says, can you imagine people in prison asking him what he's in for? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, th th that'll be interesting. He'll probably say for fighting for the truth. That's what he's going to say. So after all those crazy stories, including about that Marine and that totally inappropriate conduct, you know, you know, I love to end the show with something positive. So that's what we're going to do right now, guys. And please, I am, I am absolutely uh, compelling you, pleading with you to set a reminder for tomorrow's episode with Dan Negroni. The event is up on the YouTube channel. So just search the Scuttlebutt show and you will find it, I believe. And make sure you don't miss tomorrow's live episode, 1800 Pacific with Dan Negroni. That'll be April 18th. Uh, in the United States, 1800 Pacific Standard Time. With that being said, oh yeah, let me plug a couple more things. If you guys can, check out the Patreon link in the description. If you want to become a patron, that's a great way to support this channel. Also, you can click that, if you're watching on YouTube, you can click that join button right below this video and become a member. All those are great ways to support the Scuttlebutt Show and keep this channel growing to become the greatest military-themed YouTube channel in the world. Hopefully someday. At least the most fun. Eh, top five. All right. With all that being said, let's jump into the last story of today. Cherry well, Point Sailor recognized... Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to hit that. Well, duh. Uh, Cherry Point Sailor recognized for life-saving actions. A sailor serving aboard Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point receives recognition Friday, April 15th for his role in saving the life of a fellow service member. He's a hospital corpsman, second class, Charles Brown Jr., received the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal for his role in saving the life of a Marine officer candidate attending the United States Marine Corps Officer School on board Quantico, the base in Quantico. During an introductory physical fitness test for officer candidates, so, you know, maybe he's not the best candidate, Brown recognized one candidate exhibiting symptoms of hyperthermia, hyperthermia. He was getting too hot. When the candidate collapsed, Brown and the two other technicians provided life-saving first aid to the victim who had an internal temp of over 105, which you're definitely getting up into the uh, the danger zone there. 
Brown and his fellow first responders immediate aid saved the candidate's life and expedited his evacuation to the nearby John H. Bradley Medical Branch Clinic, where he received further life-saving care. He currently serves board Naval Health Clinic Cherry Point in the lab, so basically doing like testing on people's uh, samples, facilitating rapid and accurate processing of samples to ensure patient wellness and service member medical readiness. So somebody give this guy a positive ice comment and let him know Bravo Zulu from the Scuttlebutt Show. Good job, man. Good job. Making us proud out there. Remember your first aid, uh, your your aid life, your all that stuff. It's going to be helpful one day. All right. All right. That's going to wrap it up for today. Short one. Short one, but uh, a good one. A shorty, but a goody. And tomorrow we have a great conversation with Dan Negroni, so don't miss that one. It's going to be absolutely epic. I really do mean that. All right, guys. You know, that's that's Monday out here in Okinawa. That's Sunday back in the States. Get ready for a great week. Crush it. Whatever you're about to do this week, make sure you crush it. This Wednesday is uh, 420, so we're doing a 420 burpee challenge. That's 420 burpees. Stay tuned for that. I'll be posting uh, my video, my time lapse of me and my, maybe my friends and my wife doing it like we did last year. What's up, Explode? Thank you. High quality stream or good quality stream. Thank you very much. I guess that's going to wrap it up. It's great to see some new faces in here, and I really appreciate you guys coming by and leaving a comment. With all that being said, I look forward to talking to you guys very soon. For now, that's the scuttlebutt.